Welcome to the Sales in the Subscription Economy podcast, season one, episode six. I'm Amanda Northcutt of subscriptioncoach.com, and my guest today is Drew Lawrence, Director of Sales at Exactly Corp. Drew is a high effort, high energy, high impact manager with an impressive sales background in a variety of industries. Drew is also a serial founder and was spoken extremely highly of by our guest from episode four, Mike Brower. So naturally, I had to have him on the show. Drew, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. I'm excited to have our conversation and for you to share a little bit of your sales wisdom with us today. With that, let's dive into the 12 questions. First off, tell us a little bit more about your sales career, where you've been, how you got to where you are now, and a little bit about Exactly Corp. Certainly. So um, my sales career is actually pretty roundabout. Um, I look at sales at really what is the core of, of sales, and that is relationships between people trying to help achieve something and add value. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, my, my sales career actually got started in politics coming out of undergrad um, back wow. on the East Coast and, and worked in Washington, D.C. Um, and, and quickly realized I was too young and idealistic to be that jaded. Uh, <laughs> and so th that's really when I made the transition and I've technically been in sales now for about 14 years, um, the last nine of which have been in the technology space. Um, but I actually started in the real estate space um, so back during the housing boom in the mid 2000s back in the East Coast, I'm originally from Virginia and relocated out here to Denver back in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, but during that time was in was in the real estate space. And as that market turned, uh, I, I realized that as much as I loved sales and as much as I loved the commission based earning system, um, it didn't feel right to be getting the kinds of checks I was getting, putting people into mortgages that I knew were not going to be good for their financial future. Mm. And I realized I had to make a, a, a change away from that. Um, and I've always liked technology. I've always been kind of the tech geek and the new MacBook and the first iPhone and all those types of things. Mm -hmm. um, and always tinkered with software and um, really kind of looked at software and technology as the next space for me to, to take my career into. Uh, and that led me on a journey starting uh, back in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I actually co-founded a fashion tech company. Uh, unfortunately, mm -hmm. no longer in business, but great experience. Specifically taught me how much I didn't know. Uh, and so that was really the impetus for me to make the decision to continue down that path, expand my knowledge base, go to graduate school, uh, which is what brought me to Denver. And the startup scene in Denver back in 2012 within tech was really just getting off the ground. Um, and saw a great opportunity to, to really ride that wave that we've experienced here in the market over the last five, six years. Um, and started with that company called Conversant. They do governance, risk, and compliance software here in Denver. I was an account executive. Um, then had the opportunity to move over to a company called Full Contact, where I w where, wore a variety of different hats, starting as an account executive. And then when I, when I departed the organization, um, I was the chief of staff and head of HR. Mm. Uh, worked actually in the staffing and recruiting space for about a year after that, uh, through some connections I had in the HR space. Um, and then joined exactly about a year ago. Really wanted to get back to, to leading larger sales teams, selling software, um, and missed the, the energy that we have in our space. And so that's what led me here to exactly and uh, spent the first few months, the first nine, 10 months of my time here leading our lead gen organization. Um, so really top of the funnel are SDR and BDRs and then transitioned to lead one of our general business sales teams at the start of March. Okay. Wow. The start of March. What a Yeah. Um, it's been an interesting time to move into a new role to say the least. Yeah. How is that um, working so far with your team being suddenly fully, fully remote? 
certainly. So it's been a transition. We at, we at Exactly do not have a remote, remote first culture within our general business work. Some of our mm-hmm. other teams are a little bit more uh, accustomed to being in the field all of the time. Um, and so for our team, there was some adjustment there in terms of what's the new routine? What's my home office set up? You know, a lot of people have roommates or significant others who are mm-hmm. now at home or have children who are now at home with schools and daycare facilities being closed. And so getting into that new rhythm and that new routine took a little bit of time. Um, but really in the last two weeks, we, we found that groove a little bit. The energy's picking back up. The pace is picking up. We're feeling the momentum. Um, and I think that that happened to all of us. Those first couple of weeks of working from home and adjusting to this took us all a little bit of time. Um, and now we're starting to see that move in a positive direction. And, you know, it's certainly been a challenge for a couple members of our team who were brand new at the start of March as well. Mm. And so going through their training and onboarding and ramping as an account executive um, in a software sales company um, it can be challenging at times when you don't have that interaction and you don't have that ability to be in the same room the way that we're accustomed to. Right. Um, and so we've adapted on the fly with that. Uh, obviously, Zoom and Slack have been huge benefits. We had those tools previously, but utilizing them a lot more currently, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as just more frequent check-ins and utilizing different tools and good old-fashioned phone calls um, to just see how people are doing and really remembering that during all of this, you know, sales is relationship-based and people are being impacted by this. And it's important that we're empathetic and human and see how people are really doing right now Mm -hmm. and, and offer to help them. And that's where as sales, we get to help people. And, and there's opportunity in this time for us to help others. And that's super rewarding for me and my team. That's awesome. Um, man, what a mega transition for you and your uh, new team members. But I bet with your kind of background and experience and I mean, a background in recruiting too, I could imagine would be a big advantage in leading a sales team, um, being able to kind of pinpoint who you want and what they need to do and be able to clearly communicate that. So what a, what a good mix of skills you have in your toolkit. Well, thank you. It's a lot yeah. of fun. I, I enjoy being able to pull skills from different aspects of my life, from my team's life to bring to bear for the team and, and really help us function as a high-performing team. Um, and during times like this, having that high-performing team is even more important because that trust is there, that communication is there. Um, and when you don't have that face-to-face, those elements become even more important. Yeah, absolutely. Thank goodness for video calls. <laughs> yep. I've had fun with the different backgrounds too. What's the most creative one that you've seen, the kind of the virtual background? <laughs> um, kind of a head floating with a like waterfall cascading in the background that looked like somewhere in a jungle, but it was a little bit fuzzy and honestly a little weird. I was not not a fan. What about you? Okay. Uh, so the, obviously the whole Joe exotic tiger King thing has been pretty <laughs> hot. So I've seen some Joe exotic backgrounds when this all first started, somebody had a TP toilet paper fort, uh, that I thought was yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. So, um, definitely I've seen some of the weird ones floating heads and things like that. Uh, but it's good to see that people are finding a way to get a laugh through all of this. Yeah, absolutely. We need a little bit of levity, uh, for sure. Um, Okay, tell me what sources you rely on to stay up to date on the sales and sales management profession. That can be books, blogs, podcasts, networking groups, anything. Yeah, certainly. So there are a couple different um, groups with exactly being a part of the Vista Equity family um, is super beneficial because there's there's a lot of um, subject matter sharing and and content sharing between the portfolio companies. Mm. Um, So that's the primary source that I'm able to benefit from. I know that doesn't, uh, you know, 
apply to everybody. Um, but there are some other great ones that I love. And so one of them um, from a top of the funnel standpoint, really during this time, especially in of adjusting your messaging and what's resonating, resonating with prospects, the sales loft and outreach blogs are great um, from a standpoint of what's happening in latest content mm -hmm. um, because they're able to have such scale with their data, they're able to see these trends very quickly in real time and are really good about putting out those insights. Um, another one is the gong.io blog. Yeah. Um, that's, I'm a big fan of, of that one and the content that they put out. Um, and one that I've actually been using a lot lately, and this is not just the shameless internal plug, is we stood up a sales disruptors aspect of our blog that is specifically focused on with times changing so rapidly, what can we do? Mm. So different webinars, different subject matter experts from different companies, our partners, et cetera, um, that are contributing to that in different mediums, podcasts, videos, blogs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, as we're all adjusting our new way of work, people might be you know, prepping lunch while listening to a podcast. Yeah, uh, and so we want to make sure that we're putting ourselves in, in front of our prospects as best as possible. And then uh, Salesforce, who's actually one of our, one of our partners uh, and one of our longest standing customers. Um, and we have a great relationship with them and, the, and mm -hmm. the content that they put out just from an operation standpoint, from the sales play standpoint, et cetera, um, has been fantastic all the time. And in the last three weeks, super relevant. Yeah, absolutely. They had a great webinar last week with Mark Cuban that I particularly enjoyed. So yeah, I missed that. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it was a good one. He's been a good kind of encouraging voice. I'm from Dallas, so I'm maybe a little bit partial, but um, okay. I, I appreciate his optimism and, you know, go-getter attitude and kind of every time I hear him talk, it's like a, a good kick in the pants. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, he's he's had a great uh, voice on this from the very beginning when they first suspended the NBA season mm -hmm. um, and talking about how important it is to, to take some of this seriously and, and really pay attention to the data. And I think there's a lot of uh, parallels there in sales and in what is the data telling you and let's mm -hmm. listen to the data because this is very emotional. Sales is very emotional. Uh, and, and so that data can really help ground us and, and make good decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll link to all those resources in our show notes for sure. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And what about all-time favorite business books? Uh, so I've got three as I was thinking about this. So the first one is Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Patrick Lencioni. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big team person. I, we all need to be in sales. It is inherently an individualistic sport with quotas and things like that. Um, but we've all seen the benefit of having a high-performing sales team and how mm -hmm. that helps everyone make more money. Yeah. So that book really stands out. Um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willick and Leif Babin mm -hmm. um, is another one that I'm really a big fan of, especially in sales in that uh, we, we own our own business. We own our territory or our patch or whatever that, however your organization might be set up as an account executive, you get that, that area, that list, that group of accounts, et cetera. Um, and you need to find a way to generate and close pipeline within that. And sometimes your organization might be a startup and you might not have the marketing resources or you might not have the technical resources right away. Um, and so you need to figure it out and you need to own that. So that's right. a, a book that I ask everyone on my team to read. Um, awesome. And then the third one is a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. Yes, EOS. Um, EOS. So big believer of EOS. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with what it is, it stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, there is nothing completely revolutionary in Gino's book, but it's the way he puts the different pieces together to help mm -hmm. leaders have an operating system to their business to effectively manage and run it, especially in remote times like this, because the tools that he introduces make it so that when we're not all together in a room, we still know what's going on and don't lose the pulse of our business. 
Yes, that's a great one. Um, a really good framework, just kind of an all-in-one, super easy to plug and play into any business. Here's how to run your stuff um, and keep accountability. And yeah, that's a really, really good one. I like all three of those. That's great. Um, have you found running a sales team and recurring revenue organization different than a traditional one-time transactional sale and why or why not? Yeah, I think having, having been more on that one-time sale in the real estate world, you know, it's not a one-time, but it is a once-a-decade type thing plus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus software. Um, you know, there, there are some differences more so than in software. You really need to focus on the relationship. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that's a part that I'm really passionate about in, in sales. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that from a, I know actually from my experience, from a subscription standpoint, maintaining that relationship, having that true relationship matters. If not, they're going to churn on you. Right. Whereas in a transactional sale, once it's closed, if they're angry, okay, but it's closed, the deal's done. Um, and I think that that can give salespeople a little bit of an out sometimes. Um, and in the subscription economy and in SaaS, we, we don't have that out because we, we need to continue to foster this relationship. We need to take care of the challenges that uh, are there and overcome them to maintain that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's a much more holistic type of sale um, because it really is on that relationship, not the transaction. And, yeah. and I do believe that all sales are relationships. Fantastic. I like that answer a lot. And you're obviously exactly right. That's a good one. Um, what changes to your projections, strategy, and sales tactics have you guys made in light of the ac economic challenges brought on by COVID-19? Certainly. So we, we, we are actually in the group of companies that's, that is um, in pretty good shape uh, from a projection standpoint. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with we're in the B2B space. So we're not B2C. The, the industries that um, we are in cover a breadth. So not just travel or hospitality, the ones that have been very um, severely impacted yeah. by this. Um, and so we've got diversity there, which has been helpful for our business. And additionally, what we do is really pertinent right now. Sales planning, being able to adjust territories, understand quotas, look at that modeling and projections mm -hmm. as this is changing so quickly. We're able to automate all of that on the back end and, and pump all of those out very quickly. Um, so we've been able to help a lot of our customers. For example, we have a, a very large enterprise customer uh, that immediately got on the phone with their customer support rep uh, and success manager and said, hey, we know this is happening. We can't have our sellers on the road. We need to reshuffle our territories so that they have, uh, we're not optimized to road, but we're optimized to clusters and nodes. So instead of optimizing to commute and, and, and sellers that are out and about on mm -hmm. the pavement, mm -hmm. we optimize to the little nodes that would set up each rep to be successful. And we were able to do that in less than a day and a half wow. just by changing some of the parameters in the system and launch it out to hundreds of sellers. Um, and so we, as a result of that, from a projection standpoint, while we are fully aware that this is not the case for everybody, we are very fortunate that we're in a good spot from a business standpoint. Um, from a strategy standpoint and tactics standpoint, um, the focus has been more of that shift to uh, adjusting and planning in real time. Planning has always been a part of our sales performance management story and, and some of the value that we add to our customers. 
But in this time, that's even more material because planning isn't just happening annually or, you know, twice a year. It's mm -hmm. super continuous right now with everything changing and regulations and shutdowns and things like that. Um, and so we've really shifted some of our messaging to that just in time delivery of what is really impacting our prospects right now. Um, and we're seeing that from the tactics standpoint as well. So providing additional resources like that sales disruptors blog, um, partnering with our partners on additional content specifically to sales leadership during this time and how do you deal with forecasts and projections and territories while also being very mindful that your reps are concerned too. They want visibility and insight into their performance. Mm -hmm. They want to understand how this is impacting their earning potential, their commission check, and what that's going to mean for their family and their lives. Uh, and our tools help those sellers. So we not only empower those managers um, with what they need to run the business, we empower those reps with a sense of safety and security. They understand, they have that visibility, and we take away that fear of the unknown. Um, and so that's been really useful for us. So we've definitely adjusted. We're, we're trying to figure it out day by day. Um, but overall, we've been in a really good spot and are fortunate to, to continuing to see that trend uplift as people settle back into that normal I referenced earlier. Yeah, what an agile um, and relevant piece of software to be selling right now. Um, that's a pretty great spot to be in and sounds like a really fantastic tool as well. Um, let's see. Next question. Unless you have anything else to add to that. No, no, I think, I think everyone during this thing and, and it's going to be so unique for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. you know, who we've, I've got friends that, um, sell software that are in the hospitality and travel space. Um, and that's obviously been very negatively impacted. Mm -hmm. Um, conversely, I have a friend at Slack and two friends at zoom yeah. and they are slammed. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think that what really has been, um, reassuring to see is the way that this, regardless of what vertical you're in or type of customer you interact with from a software standpoint everyone's pulling together people are offering these resources they're sharing best practices I've seen different companies put together job boards specifically for those that have been negatively impacted because yeah. they are still doing okay mm -hmm. um, and I think that Sales is oftentimes a lot about having empathy and, and putting yourself in your prospects and customers' shoes and how you can help them. Um, and so I think that we're uniquely positioned to, to play that role in a broader sense now, which is super rewarding as well. Yeah, and that's a really great lead into our next question. Um, given that you guys are doing pretty well, what's your best advice for sales teams competing in the subscription economy right now, given the sudden economic downturn? You know, those who are not, not having the um, luck that you guys yeah, are. Yeah. I think the first and foremost is be human, right? First with your foremost with yourself too. Um, you know, so much of sales is psychological mm -hmm. um, and being in that positive space and, and knowing, you know, if, if you are one of those people that can close 30, 40% of your deals, you're a hall of fame salesperson. Yeah. Um, weather, baseball and sales are one of the few places where you can miss 70% of the time and still be good. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and, and so during this time, it's what can you on a human level do to take care of yourself and prepare yourself with the changes you're going to encounter with your prospects. Um, and so what I mean by that is use this time to hone your sales skills, develop yourself as a professional in those industries, because it will rebound when mm -hmm. we don't know how quickly we don't know. There's, if I had the answers to that, I'd already be retired, mm -hmm. um, but we know it'll come back. And, and so how do we capitalize on that? And for a lot of sellers and sales teams, you know, people on those teams that weren't around during the last recession, that this is their first time going through this. 
um, of the, what can they be doing now to set themselves up for success. So if you're impacted by one of those industries and you're fortunate enough that you were able to keep your job, but your, your pipeline is down, your forecast is down, um, I focus on what can you do to improve yourself and then also focus on putting yourself in your customer's shoes. What do they need right now? You getting a deal signed by the end of your quarter does not matter to them. Mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so understand what their pain points are, how this is impacting them by asking that question, how are you adjusting to this new reality? Um, and a tailor your approach and your process to align with them. We have to be mindful, especially right now that we can't push as hard unless you have a ton of detail and information as to how their business is running right now. Um, and another part I would do is make sure you're testing. Um, if you have, with everyone being distributed, it's a lot easier for people to kind of operate in their own silo. Um, and if you're using tools like SalesLoft or Outreach that can give you that data on how your messaging is performing, but everyone's using their own messaging, you lose that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would really encourage teams to make sure that you're reviewing your messaging together, you're operating out of the same cadences, so you can quickly A-B test and iterate because you're collecting that data at scale. I like that. I love testing and checking. That's a fantastic piece of advice. And yeah, for salespeople to upskill right now and invest in themselves personally, but putting the mental health piece first, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, And great ways for salespeople to upskill would be checking out all these sales resources that we are, that you mentioned earlier that are linked in the show notes here. And then the the books that you mentioned and, um, you know, do a training, listen to webinars, sales hacker has them, you know, coming out the wazoo. And so those are great places for us to all to spend time and get better at our craft. Next question. How is cross-departmental communication handled at Exactly Corp? For instance, how intertwined is sales with product, marketing, and customer success? So with those three departments specifically, we're incredibly closely aligned. Um, uh, we are with everyone throughout the organization through parts of our operating system. We mentioned a little bit EOS earlier. Um, that's not the operating system of exactly, but along those same lines of what's that communication cadence. Um, and so obviously we use Slack, uh, a lot of joint team channels for updates or if sales has product questions, everyone's super engaged in that, um, as well as cross-functional um, monthly all-hands meetings or quarterly all-hands meetings or lunch and learn sessions um, to really ensure that we have that team mentality across departments that are all part of the customer journey Mm -hmm. um, and all part of building that successful business. Um, And so especially in these days, it's a lot of electronic and and digital. Um, And so video stand-ups with teams, lots of Slack, much more Slack communication than Mm -hmm. we had even prior. Um, And the thing about it, how we are set up organizationally, is we don't have these barriers that make it difficult to get in touch. It's, it's not very hierarchical. You need something you know who to go to and that person's empowered to get you the answer. Um, and so that really helps reduce some of that department, interdepartmental friction that I've seen and we hear about at other organizations. That's great. I'm always so interested to hear how um, those cross-functional and cross-departmental teams at subscription organizations, you know, interact with each other because that is so key and inextricably intertwined with how we are setting expectations for our customers. Because if marketing doesn't know what product is doing and sales can't have an effective feedback loop with customer success and marketing, then you're screwed. And I think you, your uh, churn numbers will reflect that. So that's a, that's a great approach. Mm-hmm. 
In what ways are individual members of the sales team held accountable for reaching their targets with recurring revenue customers? For example, is their pay structured in such a way that they are accountable in any way for customer retention? Great question. And, and this is another area that we have a lot of fun with because we play in this space of incentive compensation management. Mm -hmm. um, and so the answer to the direct question of are our account execs accountable in, in direct way for customer retention at renewal time? The answer to that is it depends. Um, depends on the customer segment, the size of the deal and the type of the products. Um, so in some cases, yes. In a lot of cases, no, that is our success team um, that is accountable for that after implementation is completed. Uh, but in terms of how do we hold them accountable for reaching their targets, uh, all the different tools in the sales leadership toolbox to do that. You obviously have coaching and management, which is a piece of it. Um, and then the incentive compensation piece is a very large piece of that. Of are you designing comp plans that align your seller's behavior to the desired company outcomes? So for example, if you're introducing a new product or you have a product that you want to increase that sales of, are you looking at the compensations in a way that those reps are incentivized to sell that other product? Mm -hmm. um, and then once you do that, if you create the plan that's set up to align to the expectations um, that you have of those sellers, holding that accountability in place is, is all uniform because the expectations are all aligned from top to bottom. Um, and so that then becomes a function of data. So leveraging the tools that you have within your tech stack to get access to the data to give you a picture of, of how someone's doing. Uh, and then that coaching and management from an accountability standpoint um, to ensure that you're, you're getting the behavior you need. And if you're not, you're coaching to it. And if you're not, then you're having the unfortunate, difficult conversation at some point down the road that as leaders, we all have to have it one time or another. Yeah. And given the nature of, um, what exactly Corp does. I was most excited to ask you this question. Um, I know this varies from company to company and every situation is unique, but are there any sort of overarching um, best practices that you would suggest to our, you know, subscription sales leaders listening uh, for restructuring compensation? Certainly. So one, we've got the benefit of 15 years of aggregated and anonymized data, billions of, of commission transactions to really pull insights and, and data from this. And what we have found is that the most effective variable compensation plans have three factors to them. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, um, whatever the percentages of closed one, uh, is there a modifier for what we call rule of X? Right, so how many years is there an annual increase built in? Uh, and then there's, or is there an implementation or professional services, strategic services play, depending on how your organization is set up, as well as different modifiers for different types of products to that point I just made a moment ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and so within that space of thinking about, okay, having three, and then what else do you wanna have? You want it to be simple. You want it to be as simple as possible. If you have complicated tiers that make it confusing for your reps to understand how much they're gonna get paid, they're going to be doing a bunch of shadow accounting and spending cycles making sure their paycheck is right, not contributing to the business. Mm. So you wanna make sure that from the seller's perspective, their comp plan is clear and easy to understand and they know how they're gonna get paid. And oftentimes at management, we can sit there and say, well, this makes perfect sense, but we've lost sight of the fact that we're not that potentially junior account executive who's in their mid to late 20s who doesn't have that exposure to understand that. So making sure that it's clear from their point of view, it would be number two. Mm -hmm. um, and then number three would be make sure that your system, whatever that might be, and for 70 plus percent of companies, that's still within Excel. Um, you want to make sure that 
you're, you're checking those errors and that you're not overpaying or underpaying. Um, mm. About across our customer base, about um, we've seen a lot when we work with customers and they first implement with us of overpayment and underpayment. Approximately six percent of that incentive spend isn't allocated correctly, uh, and so whether you know it's it's a our entry incentive compensation management tool that isn't super complex but automates all of this for you simply comp or a more enterprise grade solution that allows that detailed customization you want to make sure that it's automated so that you are saving resource time and financial resources from not overpayment Awesome. Thanks, Drew. I know that's such a hot topic right now and subscription sales leaders are trying to figure out how to appropriately incentivize and, you know, how much of the comp comes from expansion revenue and renewals and, you know, who that money belongs to, whether it's customer success or sales or some somewhere in the middle. So thanks for sharing that advice. I feel like we could have a really in-depth conversation about that, but um, we'll move on here. Thank you for sharing. Are you guys currently in a hiring freeze? Uh, no, we, we have a hiring pause on extending offers at the current time, but we're still putting people, we're still interviewing, actually have one today. Um, and that's just till we get an idea of timing to get mm -hmm. people back in, in office. Mm -hmm. um, we have started some employees remotely because we already, they had already had start dates and things. And that just wasn't the candidate experience we want to give somebody right. um, that's joining our team, especially at this time when there's so much else going on in our lives. We really want our work teammates um, work to not be an additional source of stress. Mm -hmm. um, it is in itself because it's work. And so we don't want to add to that. And then, so uh, we are not extending offers currently because we don't have a timeline, but from a business standpoint, uh, we are, we are still moving forward and, uh, and still have targets to hit and, and jobs to do and, and really embracing that mentality. That's really encouraging to hear. And how do you guys source talent uh, and what works and what doesn't? Well, we are very fortunate to have an amazing recruiting team um, that really helps on the source side of us, uh, for us. And so a lot of that is, uh, a lot of ours, obviously, referral. Uh, referral is the, the largest source of, yeah. of candidates and employees and teammates for us. Um, and we're very fortunate to, to be in a position where our employees love working at exactly and have no problem referring people. Um, beyond that, it, it, uh, what I have found personally throughout my career, um, you know, we mentioned earlier about the benefit of recruiting, um, you know, rec re having that mindset of recruiting is sales and sales yeah. is recruiting, you're recruiting customers. Um, and so I think within sales, we're uniquely positioned from a recruiting standpoint to leverage our skill set to understand what's important to the prospects in a new opportunity and what's important to us and an employee that we're essentially partnering with by hiring them. Um, and in addition to that, we also have some various assessment tools that we utilize. Um, part of it is through being a part of the Vista Equity family, uh, and part of it are other internal tools mm -hmm. um, to help assess things like disposition for certain types of roles. Um, and then you, there's also the component of the cultural aspect. Yeah. And people oftentimes talk about culture fit. Um, personally, I'm not a fan of that term. I prefer the term culture add. Okay. Uh, I feel culture fit is... Um, I'm getting a lot of people that are just like me and I'm looking for those people that add that different perspective or that unique experience. And that's mm. something that we really value at exactly. And my recruiting team um, is great about helping us with is, is making sure that we're getting those diverse candidates from different backgrounds and different experiences to bring all those benefits into our organization. That's great. I have not heard it put that way, but yeah, I can certainly appreciate the sentiment and meaning behind that. That's, that's great. 
Just two more questions here. Okay. What, what are one to three pieces of advice you give other sales VPs competing in the subscription economy? And what would you have said pre-COVID-19? Yeah, so uh, it was interesting. I was thinking about this question. And I was like, do my answers change? And, and the answer is no, they don't. Um, and so the, the number one piece of advice I have is invest in your people. Make sure they're okay. Invest in coaching them. Invest mm -hmm. in mentoring them. Invest in their mental health. Um, as, as sales leaders, uh, our number, whatever that might be that we need to hit, we don't hit without our team. And so if we're not taking care of our team as leaders, then we're not setting ourselves up for success to hit our number. Mm -hmm. um, the, the second one is data. Uh, and I've mentioned this a few times during our call, but, but understanding the data and what the data is telling you, how to get to it, how to analyze it, and, and how to then act on what it's telling you um, is the, aside from people, it's right there. People and data are the two things you need as a leader um, to, to make sure you're making effective decisions. Um, and then kind of 2A on data is testing, which we've talked about before previously, mm -hmm. um, is, is make sure we're, that we're testing on that data um, because that'll help you give your people what they need to be successful. And as a result, you will be successful. I love it. That's great. Anything else to add on that? No. Cool. Last question. So I'm a firm believer that sales makes the world go round and we have a tremendous responsibility to get the economy moving again. How can we speed up that process? I love this question because I, I, I feel that life is sales. Buying a car, ordering some food, going to the grocery store, it's a transaction, it's a relationship. Um, and, what I, and just like sales, we need to look at everything from the lens of people right now. Um, and how do we get the economy moving again is what are the little things that we can do in our own individual lives as well as our professional lives to help with that. So is that you are tipping a little bit more on your Uber Eats driver, you're ordering from a local restaurant mm -hmm. uh, and doing pickup or takeout um, from a um, sales standpoint in, in, the, in the office. You know, are you having those conversations with your customers of who's impacted and how and how are you helping them? Because that help that you're giving them now will pay back in, in exponentially, either directly or indirectly down the road. Um, and really being human and thinking about the situations that the people you interact with every day, professional, personal, whatever it might be, how is this impacting them and asking them, what can I do? And maybe it's from a personal standpoint, if you could tip a few more dollars, that'd be huge. And maybe from its business standpoint, it's, can we get more creative with when the first payment is due? Mm -hmm. Um, and we can still get a contract executed. We can still get the bookings but we understand that the situation you're in, we're going to be more accommodating on how many, you know, what net 45, net 30, net 60, or delayed billing or anything like that, that gets things moving again, gets people what they need to get back to normal, mm -hmm. um, but also is cognizant of the reality that they're facing. That's fantastic. And I feel like the overarching theme of our discussion today is just help people be a human and actually do your best to dive in and help people and add value to their lives. So 100%. Yeah. Thank you again to Drew Lawrence of Exactly Corp for his insights and advice. Check out the show notes on subscriptioncoach.com slash podcast and sign up for my email newsletter where I read, curate, and summarize the best content on subscription sales and sales team recruiting on the web every week on subscriptioncoach.com. We'll see you next time on the sales and the subscription economy podcast.